1: Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in. I'm very excited about our topic today. On Go Green Radio, we've covered a lot of transportation related issues because, of course, um, you know, transportation is a big source of our carbon emissions, it's a big source of air pollution. So, when we're talking about environmental protection, it's incumbent upon us to discuss the environmental and human health ramifications of our transportation system. Today, we're going to be talking about something really revolutionary. Um, We're going to be talking to the CEO and founder of a new company called Swift Mile, and they have got a really revolutionary new e-bike transit system that we're going to be talking about, and I am really excited to learn more. So welcome to Go Green Radio, Colin. I'm so glad to have you on the show.
2: Jill, I'm just as excited, and thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be on the show.
1: You bet. Well, before we dive into the details of Swiftmile and the solutions that you and your company are working on, let's start by talking about the problem that you're trying to solve. What gap in the transportation system is Swift Mile seeking to fill?
2: Well, so it, that's the fundamental question that, that we started with. And we looked at what's going on in, really in the United States and the world. If you look in the United States, there's 130 million people every day that commute. And of those, 96 million people are commuting less than 10 miles. But yet, we get in our car, single occupancy vehicle, we get on the roads, causing congestion, smog, you know, increase our carbon footprint. So we started to look at Electric bikes sure seem to be a great solution to this because they're clean and green, emission-free, and they're fun to ride. Um, so, what we're the problem we're really solving is getting around employee commuting. Um, you know, we're looking to decrease um, you know congestion and smog, but um, that's the big part. Is when you when you offer a different way to get these you know short commutes um, completed without using a car, um, big things happen. You, you know, less stress for the user that's going to work. Um, there's less, less, um, traffic on the roadways. Um, but more importantly, there's a big wellness factor to it too, is, you know, people that they've already proven that get out, they bike, or they're just, um, you know, instead of being sedentary in a car, they tend to have a much more, um, you know, less absenteeism and, uh, and a higher rate of, of, of work and employee productivity.
1: Was good old fresh air as well. Now, how did you come up with the idea for Swift Mile? Where was it? Uh, what was the genesis of the company idea?
2: Well, two big things happened that, were, that were, were critical to the whole starting of the company. One, I, <clears throat> I had won an electric bike at a company Christmas party a couple years back for this other company I worked for. A really cool cruiser kind of a bike. and, and uh, So I ended up winning it. You know, I put in $50 for this Toys for Tots, and I ended up winning this like, $4,000 electric bike. And uh, I was like a kid in a candy store. So, so, you know, I'd be at home. My wife would say, hey, we're out of tea. I'd be like, hey, well, I'll be right back. There's a, <laughs> there's a Trader Joe's two miles from my house. So I would always use this thing. Everybody in the neighborhood, you know, knew me for it. Um, as a matter of fact, then when I'd use it, nine times out of ten, someone would say, what is it? How does it work? How far does it go? How fast does it go? Um, as a matter of fact, I think I hold the record for a Trader Joe's, uh, a Trader Joe's for probably doing – the most um, electric bike test rides in a parking lot. I should be in the Guinness <laughs> Book of World Records for it. Um, so that showed me the interest level of people going, wow, I, you know, this, this market is really just taking off for electric bikes. And then the other critical factor was, unfortunately, I had a loved one in hospice, and um, we would get the call that, hey, you know, this is the, the time you have to come down and get down here quick. Um, and in nine times out of ten out of Murphy's Law, I, it would be right in the middle of rush hour. And I'm sitting on this on this really busy road here in the Bay Area, El Camino, and I'm trying to get to the hospital. I'm stressed to the hilt, and I look in my rear view mirror, and I see this guy in the bike lane coming towards me on the side. And then he goes whizzing by me with a big smile on his face. And what was he? He was a guy on an electric bike. And that really I started to, instead of, you know, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, instead of just staying stressed, I started to think, wow, there, that could be a solution here to this crazy mass congestion and the stress. I mean, look at the people around you when you're sitting in traffic. Nobody's happy. So that was kind of the genesis of the whole idea, is how can we put this into a sharing system? Not too much unlike Zipcar, but instead of a car, you rent an electric bike.
1: So let's talk about how Swift Mile works. If we all woke up tomorrow and there were Swift Mile stations deployed in our towns, how could we utilize the service and how much would it cost? Give us some of the details of how this actually you know, is used by individuals.
2: Sure. So, where well, you could wake up, you could actually open our app and you could locate, first off, one of our charging stations that has electric bikes in it. You could see what's available. Um, so, you could reserve that. As a matter of fact, you could say, before I even get down to where, where maybe these bikes are, um, I can reserve one. Um, or let's say you're at work, um, which is kind of one of our pr- first main targets as corporations. Um, and you're in your office or your cube, and uh, you say, I want to rent a bike to either go to lunch, I want to use it to go home, I want to use it to uh, just for, you know, I want to go out and take a ride. You would first locate it, you'd, you'd reserve it, you'd go down there, and then our app, once you get within 20 feet, um, it acts as a virtual key. You hit a, a, an unlock button, and you know, through the beauty of IoT, the whole thing unlocks, and now you're paired with that bike. And as you ride that bike, we're collecting data every 10 seconds, such as speed, time, distance, even your carbon offset that shows, you know, for every mile ridden on a, on a bike, that's um, one pound of CO2 you're not putting into the air. Uh, so we collect all kinds of rich data. Uh, but and then when you're done, we give you a receipt. And that receipt will either tell you if you're paying for it on your own or if, the, if your corporation's paying for it. Uh, but it generally works out to be about $5 per half hour. Um, it just depends on, on kind of the, the agreement we have worked out with either the corporation, if they're subsidizing it, or if it's a city deal and you're paying for it on your own. But um, it's all meant to be um, very accessible and, and there when you want it, and, th- and that's kind of the key to our system is we deploy a whole network of these for you to have access to them.
1: Well, it occurs to me, and this is kind of off the top of my head, but you know, I work a lot with the U.S. Green Building Council, and of course, I'm sure you've heard of LEED certification with buildings yeah. and and companies. And you know, part of the points that you can earn, um, you know, it might have to do with carpooling or uh, setting up uh, charging stations for electric vehicles, or having a certain number of um, you know spots in your parking lot just for carpool you know, cars and things like that, I could see this becoming something that's part of that rating system if companies were to put these kinds of things in. So maybe down the line, um, that will happen. That would, that would be great. Now, if our listeners want to see Swift Mile at their place of employment or come into their community, how exactly does that happen? Is it like a city council decision or a homeowners association transit district? Talk to us about the process of actually getting Swift Mile stations introduced into our communities.
2: Sure. And so uh, it's it's a great question because we're, you know, a lot of that is sort of evolving. That process is evolving as we speak because it's new. I mean, you know, bike share has been around for a while, but that's made om- almost 99% segmented to cities and dense city areas. Um, what we're doing is we're not just going after cities. We're going after corporations. We're going after higher education, um, even hotels, because a lot of people now, um, they Uber to their hotel and then they have no other way to get around, you know, other than renting another Uber. So the way we work is, with corporations, we talk with parking and transportation. We talk with their sustainability directors, even their HR, because this has a big recruitment and retention um, kind of an aspect to it. But for the cities, what we do is we work with the cities. Um, usually at the city council level, we introduce our, our solution, our product. Um, a lot of times if there's citizens in the area that, that want to bring us to them, then, then we'll take the lead after, after they've introduced us. But what we found is, there's such a massive problem out there for traffic smog. And really, you know, everybody's trying to go green and, and lower their carbon footprint that once we have an opportunity to present what we have and the impact it can, it can make, um, we usually progress that conversation quite quickly. So I guess the quick answer would be, um, you know, if anybody's interested, for sure, contact us, and then we, we can kind of guide them and who, who we would normally talk to within their city. And if they'd like to take that on, that'd be great, or we could do it ourselves.
1: Sounds good. Now, tell us a little bit about the market um, for these types of bikes and this type of uh, transportation solution. Um, I know that this is revolutionary, but what's going on globally
2: with this market? So, it's right now. There's been some incredible things that have happened, really, with the even in, you know last couple years, but even this last two weeks, there's been some massive amounts, big announcements um, that showing how how impactful bike sharing is and in electric bike sharing. Um, there's a company in China called Mobike. They just raised $215 million. Um, now, China's a different market, of course. They've got, I think, 450 million people that bike every day. Um, but that just has the, shows the impact that, that, that these kind of have in large, large you know, countries that have dense, dense traffic issues. In the United States, another company, I'll give a shout out to them, Zagster, they just raised $10 million. Uh, for their company as well. Um, and then there's also another company here, as a matter of fact, in the San Francisco Bay Area, there's all this talk about a company called Blue Gogo that's about to put 20,000 bikes just out there in the market with, um, you know, these are regular standard bikes, not electric, uh, where you can access them with an app and rent them. Um, they're kind of going to do the old Uber trick where they just deploy these and see what the city says. But um, <laughs> it speaks well to the market and, and how hot it is. And, and uh, we like to think, well, people are, deploying kind of version 1.0 we're deploying um version 3.0 because the big distinction for electric bikes is people that commute especially they don't want to work to get to work they don't want to sweat during working hours this so the way <laughs> yeah. our bikes work is you know you can have a ton of assist while you're going to work and then on on your way home you can turn it off and it's a bike so we kind of add that extra layer of support uh for you when you're riding
1: Oh, that's cool. So you could get exercise if you wanted to, but if you want to show up in your suit and not be all sweaty and gross, you can just go electric. That's cool. That's really, really cool. That's the
3: beauty of it. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, Now, are there different types of personal electronic transporters? They're they're called pets, I guess. Um, I saw on your website available for users. Talk to us about these different
2: PETS or pets, (laughs) and who will be able to use them. Sure. Um, Yeah. So that name, you know, when we first started, we went out. And we, we got a bunch of electric bikes, scooters, little mini Segways, all kinds of different things because so there's so much innovation taking place in that market. Um, and so we, we sort of coined this term uh, PET, personal electric transporter. Um, and my kids loved it. So they're like, Dad, you need to call these pets. You know, <laughs> so, you know the thought of someone saying, hey, I'll just rent a PET, um, you know, had, had kind of a, a, a nice ring to it. But, yeah, so, you know, predominantly we use electric bikes. To start, A, um, because everybody, most people are familiar with riding an electric bike, um, and B, you know, if for some reason, let's say it breaks down or, or uh, you know, uh, the motor quits, you know, if there's thousands of these out there, I'm sure it's bound to happen, you can always still pedal. Um, but we will be introducing other things such as, as scooters that you're starting to see out there as well. Um, and then we look forward to also anything that comes along, because there's so much innovation in that space um, that we can integrate it into our system. The, the way our system works is We can add our locking mechanism, our app, our microcomputers and GPS on really any moving vehicle and then integrate that into our Swift Mile system. And that's kind of how we build it.
1: That is very cool. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but there's so much more to go over. So don't go away, folks. We'll be back with Colin Roach in just a few moments right after this commercial break. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all tune in. And if you're just joining us, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Colin Roach. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Swift Mile. And they have a revolutionary new e-bike transit system that they're working on deploying. And we're some of the first folks to hear about it. So lucky us, Go Green Radio listeners. So, Colin, before the break, we were talking about some of the different pets or personal electric transporters um, that you guys have in your repertoire and that you actually will be able to add more as innovations come come into being. But I, one of the questions that I had was, you know, who's going to be able to use this? Is it just, you know, kids or young 20-somethings who are really athletic and agile? Or is this something that you know, people
2: of a certain age can use as well? You know, when we, the, when we first started, we had our assumptions about, like, who's the ideal user? Um, and, and we were kind of blown away is that it kind of across the board has a lot more, more use cases than we anticipated. The first one is, if you look at millennials, that's kind of the, the natural one you'd think of is, um, you know, there's 25% decrease in car ownership amongst that group because there's so many different options out there for them. They, they live in what's called the multimodal world. They might mm-hmm. use a Zip car for an hour because they need to run some errands. They might use an Uber or Lyft for for you know getting around town. They use the train. Um, there's all kinds of different um, user you know cases for them. So they're for sure one of our bigger ones because they love technology. They love an app. They love to track every single part of their day. And we we can we can afford that to them. But also there's a massive group too that we didn't really count on, and that's that's really um, you know those in the you know 40 40 to 60 year old category that are, are really looking for an efficient means to get around. Like, you know, they're so sick of driving. They're so sick of being in that stressed out kind of environment where you're looking for parking, you know, there's road rage on the roads every day. Um, They're looking for a way to actually just be efficient about it. Um, And then there's the elderly segment too. We find that, that actually, um, because this can extend your range and they can maybe make a ride that much more easier because maybe you don't have to pedal as hard or, or it's just a much easier bike to ride because we have super comfortable seats and a step-through design. Um, so we're finding that, in, in you know, as we go, it will get much more clear data, but we're finding in each of our kind of segments of age, um, there's, a big, there's a big nugget of users in there. Um, mm-hmm. but, but that's the part that we're driving into, like, which one is the actual most massive group users? And I, and I, and I anticipate it's really, you know, commuters that are, that are, you know, within 10 miles of where they live and work.
1: Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Now, how far can one of these e-bikes go (laughs) on a
2: charge? So that, that's what really enabled our whole business to, to come into, into play was the new technology with these e-bikes. So our e-bikes go 40 miles on a single charge. They'll assist you, or you can use our throttle, up to 20 miles per hour. Um, and, and they have uh, you know, these new lithium-ion batteries in them and, and uh, you know, really efficient brushless hub motors. We can thank the drone industry for that, super efficient motors. Um, we can also thank you know, the Teslas of the world for way more efficient batteries. And so you combine all these factors into uh, into a small motor and a and a small battery pack, and you can really power anything. I mean, you can, you know for transport. So the, so the bikes are um, the other part about them that makes them very efficient is because they go. It, the law says this: if it's 750 watts of power and below, and if it's 20 miles of 20 miles per hour and below, that it that it helps you. Uh, then it's considered a bike in the eyes of the law. That means there's no need for license any registration, any special insurance. Um, You could go essentially anywhere a bike goes. Hmm. That's interesting.
1: Now, these are electric, so they're going to have to be charged up and powered. How will you be powering your e-bikes? Will the utility company need to come in and run lines for the stations or how, how will this happen?
2: Well, so that that's the probably fifty percent of our whole business right there is when we first t- t- look at this, we took a, h- a long hard look at at different ways out there to power this, and p- predominantly it was kind of a no-brainer. Is to use solar made the most sense. So what we've designed is we have these solar pods, we call them Swift stations, that um, we have solar panels that charge a bank of batteries, a twenty-four volt system, um, and then those batteries are what charge. The, the bikes and the electronics and the locking mechanism, everything um, on the system. Now, the reason why we did that is when you're solar and you're not tied to a grid, you you eliminate 85% of the permitting process, environmental review, architecture review. You don't have to dig up any concrete to run lines. So this allows you to uh, deploy in a in a in a pretty dense area a number of these stations, um, and it and it also you know quite frankly. It takes that sales process down of how long it takes to actually go from idea to implementation uh, much quicker. And then there's the whole the green aspect to it. You know, One of the pr- big bragging points we like to say is we've built the world's first 100% renewable power transit system. Uh, it's a pretty powerful statement, and we can do that because our, our, you know, we're not charging cars, so, so our, our batteries on our bikes are relatively uh, – they don't draw too much power. But it's, it's kind of a fun thing to say, and I think it, it's pretty impactful.
1: That's very cool. That's I mean, that is something to definitely be proud of. Now, how long does it take to charge one of the e-bikes on solar? And do you have any concern about somebody renting one of the, you know, personal electric transporters and then not being able to get it back to a charging station?
2: Well, so when we first started, before we really dived into the whole, you know, data side of things and how we can integrate, you know, um, diagnostics on the bike, that was a concern. So to answer your first question, our bikes take about two hours to charge completely. But what happens is it's very rare someone uses a bike and then puts it back and it's got zero charge. They generally, you know, use it for two, three, four or five miles. um, So it it, it gets put back and let's say there's 50 percent, but. The, the beauty of the IoT and the way our whole, you know, we have a smart system, so everything's connected, is let's say there's a bike that you want to rent and it's only got 20% charge. Well, A, we can either just not let that show up, you know, as a bike that's available, um, or we can say uh, programmatically on the app, you know, you hit it, it says, Jill, this only has 20% charge, how far are you going? So we can actually even, you know, help guide you because if that's the only bike in a given area and you definitely want to use it, um, and then there's the other thing is, you know, because it is a bike, you can always still pedal it if, if you, Mm. for some reason, there's no power on it. And that,
1: you know, that might not apply if it was a Segway or some other kind of pet, but for definitely the bikes, that would definitely work. Um, now there, there are other e-bikes on the market, like the one that you won as a prize, um, at your, you know, your first experience with an e-bike, um, could these devices be compatible with your stations?
2: Yes. And that's actually how we built it. So when we first started, you know, we were all about, okay, let's make our own bike. Let's make our own bike. And then we realized that that's a, that's a business unto itself. And there's so, I mean, there's so many new bike manufacturers coming out with really cool electric bikes. So what we did, the way we built our system is we can work with all of these different manufacturers where we can share, enable their bike. We can, as a matter of fact, that's what we've done with our first uh, rollout here is we've worked with one of the top electric bike manufacturers out there called a to B. I'll give them a little shout-out. Um, Where well, we put our sensors, our GPS monitors, accelerometers, microcomputers, and, and all the tech on the bikes that then fit into the charging stations. Now, there's something else interesting about that that allows us to do. So if someone's using our system and they say, hey, I want to buy now one of your bikes because I, I just want one for ownership, we can sell them that bike. And now what they'll also be able to do is then if they want to then rent their bike out back onto our system, let's say they're not going to use it for a couple weeks, they can put it into our system, hit a button on the app, and then now they've sort of Airbnb'd their bike um, where we take a transaction fee and we give them part of the transaction fee as well. But now that increases our stable, uh, you know, bikes that are in our stable. And in the future, what we plan on doing is we'll have multiple different pets that, that are being sort of bled into the system so every six months there's going to be a new vehicle for people to try out and that's what makes us excited is you know that whole all ships rise with the the tide um we plan on doing that with all that innovative new bikes that are coming out in the e-bike market
1: Oh, that's really cool. And and that really expands, you know, your opportunities, not just for partnerships, but for, uh, you know, sales. I, I think that's brilliant. Um, now, talk to us about Swift Mile's utilization of the Internet of Things or IoT to optimize user experience. You've kind of referenced it a few times, but dig into the details of how you do sure.
2: that. Yeah, and, you know, I have to say we – we are so fortunate about the timing of, of where we are today compared if we tried to start this even three or four years ago. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think it, it, we really would have been able to. So IoT has given us a lot, you know, the Internet of Things. Um, and and it, So part of what we play in of the IoT world is smart mobility and smart cities um, and the sharing economy, three big buzzwords. And so on our, on our charging stations themselves, we have – we have um, cellular antennas that are broadcasting data up to our network telling us how much charge is in the batteries of the charging stations, the, uh, any diagnostic issues, even down to the, the temperature into the battery box, um, you know, because in extreme temperature climates, you know, that's, that's information we need to know. Now, same thing applies to the bike. So as the bike's moving every 10 seconds, it's pinging data, ding, 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 saying, you know, look, time, distance, speed, um, even so much so that if you're out to lunch, and, and your bike is not next to you, and all of a sudden it starts to, go, starts to move, we'll, we'll get a notice through the beauty of the whole network saying, hey, you know, Jill is not with her bike right now, so we'll send you a message, Jill, are you with your bike? And if you say uh-huh. no, well, then we're pretty sure that maybe there's a theft taking place. Now, we can then send a notice to, to, the, to the police, hey, there's a crime in progress. Um, and a little tip we've learned: uh, please love a, a chase. So if you tell them there's one in <laughs> progress, they'll actually go for it. But if you tell them the next day, they they won't touch it. Um, but all that told, and then and then of course the app is sort of the 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 piece that sort of that y- allows the user to integrate with all that. Uh, but all that said, that's the Internet of Things. You know, the bikes are talking up to a network. The bikes are talking to the stations. The stations are talking to the app, and all those things together are really our our kind of piece of the IoT. Um, um, system
1: that's cool now I, I want to ask a follow up on that because you know i'm I'm a mom and I have you know kids that I think would want to use this they're a I, I'm saying this in air quotes you can't see me but I'm saying adult children I have three adult <laughs> children um, and you know I would be a little bit concerned about their safety if is there a way using IOt that you'd be able to know if like bike went down and there was a safety concern and you know the same way that you yeah.
2: could how does yeah. that work yeah, so you know because we're we're a total data driven company, so we're constantly monitoring I mean think of these like you know we're air traffic control, and all these the bikes are kind of like the plane so if if there's any if a bike is moving and all of a sudden there's an abrupt stop and then it's in an air, you know we can kind of programmatically tell like by the accelerometer like did it just stop normally or all of a sudden it's on outside. Or, mm-hmm. or is it, you know, like upside down? So that's, that's one indicator. The other thing is, let's say there's a problem. Let's say there's a flat tire. Let's just say something mm-hmm. happens, whatever it might be. On the app itself, you can hit, um, you, you can hit uh, the, the text button and, and saying there's a problem. That, that immediately goes to us. You'll get a call within 60 seconds. And wow. within 60 seconds, we'll call you. We'll diagnose the issue. We'll say, Jill, you know, maybe it's something easy fix. And if not, we'll pay for an Uber or Lyft ride directly to your destination where you can just leave the bike, cool. lock it up. We already know where it is. So then we send yeah. one of our people out to go and service it and pick up the bike.
1: That is very cool, Colin. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but we have so much more to discuss. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And I just want to give you all a quick reminder. You know, Go Green Radio is just a sliver that's part of a bigger organization called the Go Green Initiative. This is a nonprofit that I started back in 2002 to help schools go green. We help schools conserve natural resources for future generations and protect children's health from environmental pollutants. And we do that at no cost to schools in all 50 U.S. states, k through university, and also in 73 countries around the world. And we're able to do that thanks to folks like you who give a little bit of money here and there and donate on our website. So if you'd like to do that, go to www.gogreeninitiative.org. We really appreciate your support. Our guest today, if you're just tuning in, is Colin Roach, and he's the founder and CEO of Swift Mile. And we've been talking about this revolutionary new 100% renewable powered e-bike transit system. And I'm very excited to talk with him. Now, um, Colin, you and I are both located in the Bay Area of California. So it's pretty easy to imagine using an e-bike most of the year, except maybe this week as we've had torrential rains out here. But What about places that have more extreme weather? Is Swift Mile a solution for any location, or are there some climate limitations?
2: Sure, it's a great question, and, and, you know, we we looked deep into that when we first started. Um, And, you know, you have your natural assumptions, like, you know, Minneapolis in the middle of the winter. I mean, who's riding a bike? Um, But surprisingly, some of the most successful bike share programs are actually in, in areas that, you know, tend to have inclement weather Um, you know, seasonally, Chicago has a program called Divi, which is really successful. They have these, you know, in really dense areas, just just regular bikes, not electric bikes. Um, And it gets used even during the winter months, um, obviously not on days that, you know, are blizzard conditions, but there's still a lot of biking days. That are that are open during those those same areas, uh, but also you know we, we do say you know anything above the forty eighth parallel you know could could certainly get get a little dicey during the mm-hmm. during the winter season. But because you know back to the IoT of of um, our whole our whole solution is you know we can program programmatically shut anything down during during times that we feel that the weather might be you know cause cause maybe a a liability element. Um, But even in Seattle and in Portland, uh, you know, where it rains obviously a ton, um, they've got incredible amounts of usage cases um, for their bike share system. So, you know, we're not deployed, you know, all over the U.S. yet, but, um, you know, we do figure that will be a factor. But for the most part, it's just we can shut it down when we need to and and keep it open when the sun's shining.
1: Well, you know, let's talk about that using an e-bike in the rain. I mean, I, I have seen people using traditional bikes in the rain, um, when it's not, you know, torrential. Um, but is it, Possible to use an e-bike in the rain? I mean, is there any sort of you know you can't get it wet like a hairdryer kind of thing? Or I mean, are... <laughs> no, no, uh,
2: that, that's a, that's that's funny. No, it definitely you can you can ride. I mean, the, the way we have built these is complete durability, um, and and for them to be able to be used in all kinds of different terrain. But not only that, but also when they're there, just charging and sitting in in bad weather, um, you know, we have to have these completely weatherproof. So yeah, you could definitely, you know, it's it's up to your own comfort level though, of course, you know, if you like riding in the rain, but, um, they're, -hmm. they're all meant to be, uh, completely weatherproof.
1: Well, and talk to us a little bit more about that, about the durability of both the stations and the, you know, the transportation item, whether it's a bike or Segway or what have you, um, how weatherproof are they? I mean, are there conditions where they just, you know, need to be covered up or whatever?
2: Well, I'm sure we'd, we're going to find out in some areas, you know, Florida during hurricane season, you know, we're probably going to have to certainly mm. certainly address that. Um, but when we first started with this, you know, I've got a fantastic team. Uh, one of our, our our chief technology officers, Keith Moravick, you know, he started with let's build the most durable system out there. We need to essentially build this where you could take a baseball bat to it. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's, you know, unfortunately you put these in areas sometimes in cities, um, you know, there's going to get vandalized. So, number one, we started with complete durability. The second piece is because there, there's electric components and all that. You know, we have all weatherproof boxes. There's, it's called NEMA approved boxes. Um, all of our panels are approved for, um, I think, 150 mile an hour gusts. Um, you know, a pound of snow and um, all these different, uh, different sort of load factors. Um, but predominantly, you know, they're they're um, they're built to be to be ridden. You know, all throughout the year. Um, so, you know, time will tell, of course, you know, if there's certain regions that, that just, um, you know, it just takes, they take such a beating then maybe we'll have to beat up more. But so far, you know, from what we've seen, um, you know, these have about a three-year life expectancy with regular maintenance. And, uh, you know, depending on if people are vandalizing them, which hopefully they won't, uh, then they should last that, that amount of time. Well,
1: and one more follow up to that, you know, I know that with solar panels that are on the roofs of homes or schools or buildings, um, you know, there is routine maintenance, like you mentioned, like cleaning off the panels, you know, if your panels get dusty, they're not as efficient as solar Mm -hmm. panels that have nice clean glass, or let's say it snows, (laughs) somebody's got to wipe the snow off so that they can actually receive the solar power. So how does that maintenance work with the Swift Mile configuration?
2: So, number one, we always have a, a, a maintenance, you know, monthly maintenance that goes out and does just basic maintenance. But the beauty of IoT, too, is, is that because we're monitoring the stations at all different times, so let's say, for example, there's a station that, that doesn't seem to be charging uh, the batteries that, that – you know, because we have batteries that are stored, and then those batteries then charge the electric bikes. And then, mm-hmm. then you know, ding, 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 we're going to have a notice, hey, there's a problem there. But the way we built our system, too, is we actually – we, we store basically an extra two days of power. So let's just say there's a couple days total storm. Let's say snow gets onto the panels and these just aren't charging. We've built in a pretty strong redundancy system to where we can just keep charging off the batteries in the, the storage, you know, the, the solar uh, panel the, or the solar station itself. Um, but... Also like I said, is we 're running diagnostics daily, so like if there's anything that there's a you know, uh, abnormal, something not normal, then we could quickly access that and say, "Hey we've got to get over there and fix that
1: That's brilliant. you know the Internet of Things is changing everything you don't have to you know, drive around and eyeball every station to know, you know, if they're good to go or not. That's, that's brilliant. Now, yeah. when you're pitching a, your product to a municipality, and I watched the video of you pitching, I think it was to the Palo Alto City Council, um, do they ever ask about liability? You know, if someone gets hurt while using one of your products, um, how do you overcome liability concerns when you're pitching to uh, an, an entity that you want to put in your
2: stations? Sure, no, it's a great question and, you know, I, I kind of started with that upfront, Um and it's funny, I, I think I have my PhD in commercial liability, uh, <laughs> f- for this kind of stuff. So, it turns out there's really three companies out there that, that, um, ensure any kind of things to do with bike share or sharing. And really there's two, two ways that you start. Number one, When someone first signs up, the first thing you do is you sign off on the release of liability. Um, It's no different than if you've gone skiing and when you buy your lift ticket, it Mm -hmm. has all these – You know, this is a dangerous sport. You could die. You could do all these different things. It's kind of ominous. Um, So number one, you protect yourself like that. Number two is we have some of the strongest commercial liability out there, and and you really need to have that just for for a multitude of different reasons. So because there's already precedent for this, we didn't didn't have to invent that part. Um, But there is one thing that they do say – is, look, Colin, we can insure your bikes, we can insure your scooters, but we will not insure segways. And, and that's why we don't, we're um, not going to put these in our system. And because there's been so many lawsuits and there's been, I mean, if you remember George W., I think. Uh, yeah, I was just a broken thinking of yeah. <laughs> um, But uh, so there's precedent for it. And, and we have, you know, like I said, we've got really tight insurance. And, um, and then there's a release of liability. Gotcha. Perfect.
1: Well, now let's talk about some of your early adopters because I know Swift Mile is new, um, but you've got some stations, you know, installed And, and talk to us about some success stories.
2: Sure. So, our, you know, our first—we're here in the Bay Area, obviously. So, you—you you, you hit a golf ball, you're going to hit a big tech company. Um, <laughs> so we started with one of the biggest ones in the world out there—it's Google. Um, and then we're also—we wanted to get one working with a transit authority. So, we're at the uh, Santa Clara Valley Transit Authority. Um, they've been great because they—they want to showcase innovation, uh, and they're—they're they're really in the the epicenter for technology. You know, right there in the middle of Silicon Valley. So, we first installed these. Um, wanting to get feedback and use cases, and and just see how the system works and everything, and we've gotten all kinds of different data points. You know, number one, the part that I actually thought would be the least turns out to be the most um, for for one particular group. The VTA, it's wellness. There's people. You know, think about it. A lot of people. You go to lunch, or you might want to take a break. You maybe take a walk. Uh, people are getting on these, and they're going for a half hour, hour ride, and they're getting that data, and it shows it's like Fitbit kind of data or Strava if you've ever used like that app. And it gives them all this really cool data. And what they're doing is they're gamifying themselves. They've seen that, (laughs) okay, I've used, I went three miles last week, and now this week I want to go five miles. And and so, you know, we're learning that that's a big segment. Two, the other part that, that, you know, we did assume and it it was true is there's people that that traditionally wouldn't bike that are biking. Um, Our thesis on that was, okay, well, if you haven't biked in a couple, you know, ten years, maybe twenty years, whatever, maybe you biked in college, you know, to get around. But you don't now because, you know, back to you don't want to sweat, you know, you're not that comfortable on it, you you don't feel like, you know, working out. Um, this that piece of it being electric has really pushed people to say, Well, I'll try it. At least I'll try it once. And now when they try it once, what happens is they have a really cool user experience and they go back into work and they say, Hey, did you see that, you know, the stations out there with the electric bikes? I just tried it and it was a really neat experience. And what that does is it's, it sort of goes viral within that, that, that small segment of that company where they're like, oh, well, I want to try it now, too. And so we're finding that, that that's been a real key to our success is the users become sort of the, the apostles for this to say, hey, you know, you got to go out there and try it.
1: Well, and, you know, speaking of that, you know, that piece of information that, users can receive, you know, if they can receive information, not just about their fitness and wellness, but on their impact on carbon emissions, if there's a way for companies to collect that data or for employees to share that data with companies who are trying to build a green portfolio. I mean, a lot of companies are including a sustainability section in their annual reports and things like that. I mean, that's going to be incredibly useful information. I could even see, you know, there are a lot of event planners now that are planning green events, you know, for conferences or um, what have you. And if people are using or integrating um, Swift Mile stations and technology, especially since you said you're going to be working with hotels and a lot of these green events are happening at hotels, this is going to give conference planners, event planners, and corporations who are trying to create as many data points as they can for a green portfolio a lot of great information. I just think that's brilliant. Um, you have thought of yeah, everything that, that,
2: to, to, to elaborate on that, that, that was one of, the, that's the other piece too, that we've learned off, you know, our corporate customers is they want to know how many car trips have they avoided? How, yeah. much, how much carbon emissions are, how much are they lowering their carbon footprint, but even down to how healthy is my workforce? So we can give them mm-hmm. data showing, okay, look, you're, you know, these employees rode 2,000 miles, um, they can use that to get lower health insurance premiums. So all told, what we're finding is the more data we collect and the more, you, you know, analytics we apply to that, uh, the, more, the more valuable it is to the corporations yep. and the cities as well. Because cities can Absolutely. use it for how do we do better bike planning and how do we do better bike infrastructure? And, and we kind of give them the, the data to help support that.
1: Brilliant. I absolutely love it. We're going to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we have much more folks. So don't go away. Go Green Radio will be back right after this.
0: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26 percent, 43 percent, or 14 percent?
1: Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us. And in case you're just tuning in, our guest today is Colin Roach, and he is the founder and CEO of Swift Mile. And you just have to get out on their website and check this technology out. I'm so excited about it. Colin, give us the URL for your website.
2: Yeah, it's um, www.swiftmile.com. And um, the name Swift Mile is a play on last mile. But it's, you know, go that last mile swiftly. So, uh, Ah. SwiftMile.com.
1: Gotcha. Well, that's pretty easy. Now, you have a pretty new relationship with Verizon Ventures, and I'm excited to have you share that with our listeners. Tell us about how that partnership came to be and what that partnership means for your company.
2: Sure. Um, It's been a great um, relationship with Verizon and Verizon Ventures. Uh, What happened was about a year and a half ago, Verizon had this contest called Verizon Powerful Answers Award. It was a global competition, you know, over 1,500 different companies applied uh, from 78 countries. And a friend of mine said, hey, you should apply to this because they're looking for big, you know, solutions to really big global problems. And and we kind of did it on a lark, you know, thinking that, you know, you never win these things. Um, so we, we entered and we kept making it past to a second stage and a third stage. And finally it came down to uh, 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 this sort of final pitch. And it was just like the Shark Tank. You know, the cameras, they had five really – Really um, well-heeled um, judges, you know, from Stanford, BMW, you know, heads of heads of big corporations, um, and you get 10 minutes to pitch you, your butt off and, and, and kind of say, "This is how I think I'm going to change the world." And so we ended up doing that, and we ended up winning. We're one of the winners. Uh, there was 12 total winners. And with that, it came uh, – it was nice. We got a check for $250,000 um, as, as just to really kind of progress our idea. So that's how we started with Verizon. Um, but then as it turns out, they're doing a big push uh, into IoT and mm-hmm. the sharing economy and smart cities. And so of all, all the <clears throat> different winners of, of that whole uh, – you know, we were in transportation. They started to take a good look at us and saying wow you know we are you know we are IoT for transportation i mean we wear it on our sleeves and mm-hmm. so as we started to progress and you know as a typical startup here in the valley you know you're always wearing a fundraising hat um mm-hmm. we reached out to them and said look you know we've got customers we've got um all kinds of opportunities we need support in order for us to really um get this out to where it's and you know we can execute against our our plan um and they stepped right up they invested in our company and and it was fantastic cuz it was you know, the money is obviously what you need as the fuel for your business, but to us it was the validation from a 14, 13, Fortune 13 company that said, hey, you know, these guys count. This is a big you know, solution that has global implications. So it's been a great ride so far, and, and uh, we're, we're hoping to continue you know, with them as we progress into our Series A and into our, in kind of our larger fundraising rounds.
1: That is really exciting. Congratulations. Um, that's that's quite an accomplishment in and of itself. Um, you know, I read an article in the Silicon Valley Business Journal that said that Swift Mile stations cannot be installed on city land in San Jose, which is sort of the capital of Silicon Valley, because the city council signed a 10-year exclusivity deal with a Brooklyn-based company. And I have never heard of that kind of a a deal. I mean, an exclusivity agreement with a bike sharing company. Is that something that you're running into a lot? And I'm wondering if that's going to be any sort of impediment for companies like yours?
2: Yeah, you know, what we had first heard about—they're actually out of New York, not Brooklyn. It's—it's it's a company called Motivate, and and that's—they're—they're they're kind of the large kind of gorilla in the market that you've seen there, like Blue Bikes in San Francisco or the City Bikes in, in New York. And, and they're, they're kind of like the standard, you know, old school bike share company. But they're a massive advertising play, too. So their bikes, you know, they, they get advertising put on them, so they collect that. So, you know, we at first went, you know, that could be an impediment, of course, but really that's on city-owned land. Um, you know, so predominantly right now we're with private corporations, hotels, you know, universities. Uh, but even within there, you know, we're reaching out to them as you know, they kind of wrap that up to allow them to do deals with other companies such as ourselves because it's natural that they're going to want to move to to electric bikes. And, you know, we provide a, a big part of that for just the charging element alone. Um, so it's kind of a wait and see. It's for sure controversial um, because that stifles competition in, in like a large area like that. So there's been a yeah. ton of feedback to city council. But um, I think it underscores though, the point that um, this is a big market and, and you know, people are, are making big moves right now. And uh, we hope to be, you know, one that's contributing, you know, to the growth of the market, but but in a way that gives people all access.
1: Well, and what I like about what you're saying, and I've heard you reference this several times throughout the interview, is that, you know, you're open to partnerships. You know, you're, you, you will work with, you know, other technologies, other companies, and you know, to find the best solutions. And I think that openness um, is, is going to ultimately, be your competitive edge now you know since you want to see this going in in cities i'm wondering if you've thought about or if you are working on pitching to the u.s conference of mayors because i know that they have a an entire sustainability arm Uh, there's a a whole bunch of mayors from all over the u.s who are working together on a variety of sustainability issues have you have you reached out to them
2: no you know and i'm really glad you brought that up because um you had mentioned uh, that in you know, one of our earlier conversations, and it looks like a fantastic audience. Uh, we know by just talking independently to mayors in our local area that, that, that we get a, a, a ton of uh, excitement. As a matter of fact, Mayor Pat Burt, the former mayor of Palo Alto, Pat Burt, um, he embraced this quite well, and he's introduced us to a lot of people in the community. Uh, but it sounds like a fantastic idea. You know, we, we definitely want to get ourselves in front of the largest audience that can really get... Not just us, but also other, other kind of green, sustainable, low-carbon footprint-type transportation solutions like us out there. And that sounds like a – you know anybody there, uh, Jill, that, that we can get in contact with to get us in front of them? I, I would uh, – I'd love you for it. Well, I do.
1: And so we can have a follow-up discussion. But I'll tell you, for you and for other companies you know, that are looking to make a play like this, um, whenever you get good media – um, if you can outline that in a simple letter um, to let to to mayors who are involved in sustainability issues, their contact information is readily available. and And I feel like the U.S. Conference of Mayors is a great organization um, for companies and organizations who are looking to create sustainable city solutions because um, it's kind of one stop shopping for reaching the heads of all these municipalities, large and small around the country. So I would definitely point you in that direction. Um, You know, I don't want you to reveal your whole marketing strategy on air, but you know, if we have listeners out there who would like to invite you in, who are you hoping to talk to this year? What's 2017
2: look like for you? Well, you know, any company that that has a – I mean, it kind of fits 100 employees and above. You tend to have a sustainability director, a wellness um, program. They might have a parking transportation person that helps, you know, know, folks commute. Um, But even in HR, you know, because we're a big play in recruitment and retention. You know, when you offer something like this to your employees, it tends to – You know, it's a good perk for them. Um, But even in cities, you know, if anybody's connected to their city council or anything, um, you know, for sure, our four main channels are this, our corporations, cities, higher education, and hotels. So any, any people in that area there is somebody we definitely would want to talk to. All right, Go Green
1: Radio listeners, you have your mandate. I know you've been listening and loving this whole idea of Swift Mile. So get out on swiftmile.com and uh, and make it happen. They have a contact us form. Couldn't be easier. I want to thank Colin for being on the show. And I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in as always. Go Green Radio will be back same time, same place next week with more fun stuff and great things to learn about. So until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life. Life to go green.